Well, I'm about you. That makes me want to shout. Wow. Well, good morning, and if you're uh, surprised to see me up here, trust me, you're not nearly as surprised as I am to be up here. Um, but uh, our pastor, Jeff, called me a couple days ago, uh, fighting back to tears, and said, um, Shannon, I, I need you to preach this Sunday. Uh, I, I want to be home with my family um, for Easter, and I'll be home with my wife. And um, I know how much he loves to preach, and especially on Easter morning, so I know how tough that was for him. And um, if you did not get a chance to <clears throat> check your email, he did send out a carrying bridge update last night. And I'm just going to share part of what he said. Uh, this came out about nine o'clock last night. He said, thank you for your continued love and partnership with us on this unexpected journey. Your prayers have and continue to make a powerful difference. Wendy continues to weaken dramatically. The hospice team thinks that we are looking at days of life expectancy. We are continuing to focus on keeping her as comfortable as possible and leaning on the promises of God's word. He quotes from Revelation 2.10, Be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. Please pray for Wendy that she for her and her entire family that they will experience God's comforting presence and perfect peace as we trust in his the perfect timing and provision of our God. We are looking to and trusting in Christ. May our God be glorified in this journey. So not the news that we wanted to hear this morning, <clears throat> but that's right now I just feel like we just need to go to the Lord and pray for them. Lord, we come to you this morning <clears throat> with heavy hearts and mixed emotions. And Father, we, our hearts do go out for Jeff and Wendy. And Lord, I just pray for strength. I pray for a peace that passes all understanding. Lord, I pray for, for Jeff and, and Wendy and the family. Uh, Lord, as they're going through this incredible, tremendous challenge. And I pray, Lord, that uh, you'll just comfort them in a supernatural way. Let them know that you are right there with them. Father, I pray that uh, everything done would bring honor and glory to the name of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, as I <clears throat> looked at that video, my favorite line in the whole video was, on the third day, everything changed. And this morning, I want to bring you good news. The resurrection changes everything. John Stott, theologian, said there in your notes, and by the way, just apologize, I, we don't have a PowerPoint. We got Jeff's PowerPoint loaded, and we'll show that when he comes back. So we're going old school today. All right, so pull out your notes and uh, follow along, and I'll try to help you. Because some of you, like myself, get freaked out when our blanks don't get filled in. So I'll try, I'll try my best to keep you uh, up to up to speed on that. But John Stott, theologian, said, the resurrection of Jesus Christ lies at the heart of Christianity. If you remove it, Christianity is destroyed. You see, if you remove the resurrection from the message of the gospel, you're left with an incomplete message. As I thought about that, I was reminded of a story in history. In 1815, 
The Battle of Waterloo raged between Napoleon and his French forces and Wellington and his British forces. England anxiously awaited word of the outcome of this battle. A sailing ship finally crossed the English Channel and approached England's southern coast. Observers were up in the top of the Winchester Cathedral watching, looking for a message. And they finally see this sailor on the sailing boat pick up some colored semaphore flags. Now, if you're, not, if you're like me, I didn't know what, quite what that was, but that was the way they message back then by the position they held the two flags it would correspond to a letter of the alphabet so this young man began to spell out the long awaited message W-E-L-L-I-N-G-T-O-N Wellington next word D-E-F-E-A-T-E-D defeated and suddenly a fog swirled across the deck, engulfing ship from sight. And the devastating news of that incomplete message was sent to London. Wellington defeated. The city faced with an unthinkable future in despair and gloom. Well, finally, after hours of waiting, the thick fog began to lift. And again, the man picked up his colored flags and began to spell out his message. Wellington defeated, and there was more. Next word, the last word, enemy. You see, two words made all the difference in that message. Wellington had defeated the enemy. Well, over 2,000 years ago, on a hill called Calvary, Jesus dangled in death on a cruel Roman cross. That dark Friday had dashed the hopes of the world. Jesus was dead. Jesus had died. The hopeless disciples were now faced with this incomplete message, Jesus defeated. With shattered hopes, And broken dreams, these disciples were left with empty-handed faith. Covered in a fog of despair, three ladies walked to Jesus' tomb on the following Sunday to anoint his dead body and do the final proper burial preparations. To their surprise, the, the morning fog had lifted And an angel of the Lord stood at the empty tomb, signaling the complete message that Jesus had defeated death. You see, the resurrection changes everything. I love what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15. He said, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. My friend, if it's not for the resurrection, we might as well just leave and go hunt Easter eggs. Because the resurrection changes everything. It made the difference. And this morning, I want to take you to the 
Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 16. So if you would turn there, we're going to look at Mark's account of the resurrection. And I think there are four messages there from the angel of the Lord that I think apply to us today and need to be heard. So follow along with me in your Bible or electronic device you have. Um, Mark 16, beginning with verse 1. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' dead body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, They were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? When they looked up, they saw the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white robe sitting on the right side and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed. He said, you are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go and tell his disciples and Peter. I love that. He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. This morning I want us to look at four resurrection messages that we find in this account in Mark. And they are messages that come from the angel of the Lord. So follow along as I read verse 6 again. He says, don't be alarmed. The first message that I want to bring this morning is a message of peace. Don't be alarmed. A message of peace. All throughout his ministry, Christ talked about the peace that passes all understanding. Oftentimes, he would tell his disciples. In John 14, he said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You see, in these restless times of economic chaos... And political uncertainty and the rise of terrorism. Seems like every week we hear a report on terrorism. People are looking for peace. They are searching for it. And I'm here to tell you this morning that true peace, true peace is only found in the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. There is no reason to live in fear because Jesus has defeated the grave, has defeated death. A hopeless end has been replaced with endless hope. And because Jesus lives, we too shall live. You see, the resurrection changes everything. I love what Paul said in Philippians. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends or passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, Jesus' resurrection signal the beginning of hope, the beginning of peace. 
Jesus had defeated death. In our age of worry and fear, the angel gives us this great message, don't be alarmed. A message of peace. And I have there in your notes, peace is resting in God's sovereignty. And this morning, I want to give you an illustration of that, what it means to have that kind of peace, a peace that rests totally in the sovereignty of God. And I can't think of a better illustration than our pastor, Jeff Bedwell. I am so thankful that I serve under a pastor who doesn't just talk the talk, but he walks the walk. I am so glad that I serve under a pastor who has shown me what it means to love my spouse well in good and bad. I am so thankful for a pastor in this incredible time of difficulty, this incredible time of challenge that he is totally trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I can tell you in all the conversations that we've had, not one time. Has he complained or whined about the situation that he's in? Not one time. All he says is, I just prayed for God to be glorified in this. And I don't know about you guys, but when I read those carrying bridges, I see somebody walking with Jesus. You can't have some of the comments he's had unless you're walking with the Lord. See, he understands that peace that passes all understanding. He knows what it means to rest totally in the sovereignty of God and if God to be glorified in this. And I pray you continue to pray for them. But what a great testimony he has given this church on what it means to walk with Christ. And I am so thankful that we have a pastor, like I said, who walks the walk. A lot of pastors out there talking to the talk, but when life blows up, I want to see one walking the walk, and he has. And I'm so thankful for that. The, the angel of the Lord said, don't be alarmed. I bring you a message of peace. But look, look also at the last part of verse 7. It says, you are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. The second message that this angel gives us is a message of power. He is risen. He is not here. You see, Jesus Christ is the God of limitless power. Christ spoke the universe and it came into existence with its billions of galaxies, each galaxy with billions of stars. Christ just spoke. The universe came into existence. All throughout scripture, we have seen God demonstrate his power with creation, with the deliverance of the people from Israel. The many miracles that Jesus Christ had done all throughout his life demonstrated the power. And yet there were those like the disciples who just didn't get it. I love what he said in um, Mark 4 after the stormy seas and the disciples were so afraid. And Jesus said, peace be still. And the waves stopped. And then he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the winds and the waves 
obey him. You know, I'm thankful for that verse because sometimes I get a little scared with life situations and I get a little overwhelmed. But I serve a God of limitless power. And if he can speak the universe into existence, he can help me with the problems I have in my life. You see, as powerful as his acts of creation were, as powerful as his act of deliverance was, as powerful as his many miracles that he performed, his greatest act of power was the resurrection. God's mightiest deed of all time was defeating the cross and defeating the grave. And this morning, we have an empty tomb. And it gives evidence to the power of the resurrection. You see, we know Jesus' tomb is empty for many reasons. Let me just share a few with you. Number one, we know his tomb is empty because over 500 people saw him after the resurrection. Now, you can't tell me that 500 people hallucinated the same thing, which some liberal scholars will tell you. He was alive. He walked among them. Over 500 saw him with their own eyes. Secondly, no one ever produced Jesus' body. You see, if the Romans had stole the body or the Jewish leaders had stolen the body, what would they have done with it? Well, after that third day, they would have prayed all over the streets of Jerusalem saying, here is your Messiah. Here is your king. He said he would rise in three days. Here he is dead. That never happened. How about the life of the disciples? When you look at the disciples before the resurrection, a very timid group of people, when the cross came and Christ died on the cross, they cut trail and run. Scared. But when you look at the disciples after the resurrection, you see a completely different group of men. Men who changed the world for the cause of Christ. Men who gave their lives. Everyone except John was martyred, stoned to death, beheaded, skinned alive, crucified upside down. You see, what made the difference in those disciples' lives? was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They saw it. You see, you don't die for a lie. You die for truth. And they saw the truth of the resurrection. But not only did it change the life of the disciples, it changed the life of history. Sabbath, which was Saturday, was changed to Sunday, the resurrection day. And I can go on and on giving you evidence. And it's clear. It's abundantly clear. The only thing that could have happened to his body was that Jesus Christ rose again in power and glory, defeating death and the grave. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, I have there in your notes, we experience God's power as we trust him. As we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we begin to experience God's power. You know, I'm continually amazed at what God's done in my life. Uh, I'm not this gifted person. 
And to be up here preaching like this is, is the last thing I thought of over 20 years ago. But God changed my life. I know what it means to experience the power of the Holy Spirit working in you and through you. And I so desire that to be the case for each one of you. We experience his power as we trust him, as we put our faith in him. You see, this angel brought a message of peace saying, don't be alarmed. This angel also brought a message of power. He is risen. He is not here. But look at the next verse. Verse 7. But go and tell his disciples and Peter. I think this third message that the angel gives us is a message of priority. Go and tell. You see, as followers of Jesus Christ, we have something so incredible to share. The good news is a message of hope. It's a message of peace. It's a message of priority that needs to be shared with our family members and our friends. You see, Jesus is always looking for followers who will go and tell. And I love how we see this in Matthew 4 when he's calling the disciples. He says, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting their net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. You know, oftentimes when this passage is read and this passage is preached or taught on, the focus is on the obedience of the, of the disciples, how they left it all for the sake of the call. And I think that's an incredible truth here. But, 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 notice, but notice verse 19. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will what? Send you out to fish for people. I will send you out to go and tell. You see, the angel tells us clearly, go and tell. And we, as a church, we need to tell of his incredible love. We need to go and tell of his incredible mercy that God doesn't give us what we deserve. We need to go and tell of his incredible salvation, how God can change your life. As followers of Jesus Christ, we need to become missionaries, disciple makers in our families, neighborhoods, schools, in our workplace. With deep conviction, we need to go gossiping the gospel and telling of his resurrection. Matthew says in his gospel, Matthew 28, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Christ gives us a command to go and tell 
the same thing the angel said. Go and tell. Go and tell. We need to become intoxicated with enthusiasm and motivated with this personal priority to share the good news to everyone God puts in our path. There he notes, I have followers are personally responsible to pass on the good news. You have a responsibility. I would even go as far as say a command from Christ to go and tell. The question is, are you doing it? You see, a lot of people can talk about church, and that's great. But it takes something else to cross that line and talk about Jesus. And because of what Jesus Christ has done in your life, there should be this desire to want to tell others. Listen, you haven't got to learn 100 verses to tell somebody about Jesus. Just tell them what he's done in your life. Nobody can dispute your testimony. You tell people that God puts in your path. You tell them what Jesus has done in my life. As old timers used to say, listen, I can't help but talk about Jesus. And we need to do that. This world is in chaos. It needs good news. And the good news is that Jesus Christ can change your life. This message of priority, go and tell. And fourthly, last part of verse 7, but go and tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee, then There you will see him just as he told you. This fourth and final message that we have is a message of promise. He is going ahead of you. I can't tell you how many times I have experienced this. Christ going ahead of me, preparing the path. Christ being with me, helping me get through a challenge in my life. And I love the verse in Deuteronomy 31, 6. The nation of Israel has been delivered. They're fixing to cross the Jordan into the promised land. And Moses is giving them this command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For your For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. I don't know about you, but that's good news. That's a promise that I want to cling on to. No matter where I go, no matter how tough the challenge is, God is before me and God is with me and he will not forsake me. See, whenever... Wherever Jesus tells you to go, whatever task he gives you, whenever we face the difficulties in serving him, he goes before us and he is with us. When the trail is dark and the road is long and the night is black, don't you quit because Jesus is with you. He goes ahead of you and he's with you. I love his promise in Matthew 11 where he says, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. 
for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What an incredible promise in God's word. A God who goes with us, a God who goes before us, and a God who says, come to me. Come to me and I will give you the rest you so need. Rest for your weary soul. Jesus Christ said before he went to the cross that he would rise on the third day and he fulfilled that promise. And if Jesus fulfilled that promise, we know that he fulfills all promises. The promises all throughout scripture, as I have in your notes there, God's promises are both amazing and unbelievable. Christ says, come to me. Shannon, when you're stressed out with life, come to me and I will give you rest. I will give you a peace that passes all understanding. I don't know about you, but when life blows up, I need that kind of God to help me. Well, in fact, I need that God every day. I I don't see how people in this world go through life without Jesus Christ. I, I don't. I have no idea how they do it. Those promises are available to us. To us, they are amazing and they are unbelievable. But I want to share with you one promise in particular. And that's the promise of salvation. Some of you sitting out there in those chairs right now, God's been stirring in your heart. And you're just not sure why. Well, maybe it's because there's never been a time in your life when you gave your life to Jesus Christ. You stopped trying to run your life on your own. You confessed your sins, repented of your sins, asked Jesus Christ to come in to take control of your life. Some of you have never done that. You see, some of you out there are playing a very dangerous game. I call it the church game. Listen, I am an expert on the church game. Because I played it a long, long time. So when I was nine years old, I walked down the aisles of that chapel over there. Got got baptized or dunked as I say now. Because all I did was join the church. Went on to school, college, started working, got married. The whole time, everybody's thinking that Shannon was a Christian. Not everybody fooled. Everybody fooled except God. And God began to, through a a maintenance man sharing the gospel, God began to place incredible conviction in my heart through the Holy Spirit. I'd lay in bed at night and I'd ask myself, Shannon, what's going to happen to you when you die? And my answer was, well, Everything's cool. You went now when you was nine years old. You joined the church. Everything's good. And other nights I'd lay there and I'd go, you know what? You're just playing a game. You've never been born again. As the Bible talks about, you've never been this new creation in Christ as the Bible shares. Well, this internal battle went on for years. Some nights I couldn't even sleep thinking about what's going to happen to me when I die. Finally got to the point where I couldn't go on. I couldn't function anymore. And by this time, Amity and I were living in Spartanburg, and I went and talked to my pastor. 
And I told him the whole story. Everything I've told you with more details. And I got through, and I'll never forget what he said. He said, Shannon, I don't know if you are lost or saved. I really don't. Hearing your story. But I do know this. If I was you, I'd nail it down right now. And I did. In his office there in Spartanburg, I gave my life to Jesus Christ and I was totally transformed and changed. That's what Christ can do in your life. Don't walk out of this place. If God is dealing with you, we have this connect room back here. I want to encourage you to make your way back there. We'll have a team of folks back there who'll be glad to talk to you. The most important and most incredible decision you can ever make in your life is to give your life to Jesus Christ. I love what Washman Neath said there in your notes. Our old history ends with the cross. Our new history begins with the resurrection. Some of you sitting here today, you need to begin your new history. Stop playing the game. Give your life to Christ. He can radically change you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this word. Lord, for these four uh, just incredible, incredible promises. A promise of peace that we don't need to be alarmed. A promise of power that he is risen. He is not here. A promise of, a, a message of priority to go and to tell the good news And then a message of promise that he is going ahead of you. He is with us. Lord, thank you for these promises. Thank you that we can hold on and cling to these promises because they're true. Because you said them. Father, I pray that uh, today would be a new day for some. Lord, I pray today that if the Holy Spirit is dealing with them and stirring their hearts, Lord, I pray they would respond to you. Lord, I pray that make their way back to that connect room. Lord, please don't let anybody leave without making sure they're right with you. And Father, we do thank you. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, and for his resurrection, because the resurrection changes everything. In his name we pray, amen. Well, listen, there's still time to, to make your way back to the connect room and some of you are going wow it's 1035 well that's what happens when I preach it ain't going to be long winded I can tell you that <laughs> I'm just God's giving me a message and that's what I preach but I do I do strongly strongly encourage you to lift up Jeff and Wendy in your prayers um, there is fa- I know family is there and um we're just going to respect that time that he has uh, with his wife. And like I said, I, I know how, how difficult it is for Jeff not to be in this pulpit on Easter Sunday morning. But I, you know what? His number one priority right now is his wife. He loves every one of you. He loves his church. But his wife is what's important right now. And we are going to encourage him to take all the time he needs. Uh, so please lift him up in prayer. Again, glad that you've chosen to be a part of our service. We even have...